The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Broadcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny, and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about all things Liverpool Football Club. And we're going to begin it again, and this time, Jan, at the start of the show, we get to say, that's one down, man. Three to go, and it's... It's on. <laughs> so, a lovely way to start the show by talking about a win. Do you, do you still think, Trevor, there's people there, and by the way, good evening uh, to everybody's listening. Do you still think there's people who are thinking, oh, well, it, it's only the uh, Carabao Cup and we have no interest after what we witnessed yesterday at Wembley? I mean, you know, I, I had the argument up to the game with, 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 and this was actually people from Denmark and I couldn't say enough time, you know, I mean, anything at Wembley that ends up with a trophy. Believe me, is well worth it. And I said you'll experience that on Sunday when hopefully we win it, and you know it was everything we thought it was going to be, wasn't it? You know what? You have said that, and and it carries weight coming from you that it doesn't carry coming from other people because you've done it. You know, you're, you're making the point from experience, and it, it, it that resonated very much with me. I have to say because. You know, in, in as you say, in a in a, a sort of an atmosphere where people have been quick to run this down, and I, and I, listen, I got sucked into it myself because I thought, right, we have a squad where we can focus on the two big competitions, and it's a remarkable thing that we can actually be focused on them and think we can win them. But what came out yesterday, yeah, as far as, as, far as I was concerned, like, I think Klopp alluded to it, but what came out yesterday was the pent up sort of frustration and annoyance and upset of not being able to celebrate properly when we won those big competitions because of various other things, um, specifically the league. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you could see the joy, uh, that, that the players had in amongst themselves. Absolutely some fantastic stuff. We'll get into some of the stuff that we saw afterwards, but particularly with the fans, Klopp doing his, Instead of his three fist bumps to the crowd, doing nine uh, thrusts of the trophy towards them. This is magic, man. These are magic moments. Yeah, I mean, these are things that, these are images that will forever be in the history book somewhere. And there'll be, be, be images that people never forget. And the people, the lucky people who were there, will never forget that. I mean, tell me there was Liverpool fans who didn't want to be there yesterday watching Strangely enough, a great nil-nil game. You, you have to give credit to both teams. It was a terrific game of football. The atmosphere was, was, was beyond belief, isn't it? And the drama, you know, what, what do you want from a, from a game of football? You want quality and drama. We have both. And it's very rarely you have a cup final where even the neutrals, and I don't know how many neutrals would have watched, but the neutrals would have enjoyed it because it was a great game. Both teams trying their best to, to, to try and win it. Uh, and, and of course that drama in the end, yeah, it was, it was absolutely marvellous. I'll be honest, it was probably a touch too much drama for me, if, <laughs> if I'm being real, realistic. See, that's what I, I like, Trevor. I, I like that, you know, when people can't handle it, because then it's the fuck 
fucking real, isn't it? <laughs> then it's I can't real, take man. anymore. I can't take anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I was there, you know. I think I yeah, was yeah. at that stage. We, we, on Friday, I did, I did um, my weekly show uh, uh, for for Anfield Index, uh, and I was talking to Cam and Lisa Marie on that show about how, you know, for me it's been really important because you know bits going on here at home with the family stuff like that, toughen up old stuff over the last few years, and for me football's been really important as a a source of 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 happiness and, and distraction and, and stuff like that. And I, you know, I really try to lean into that. You don't always succeed because, you know, if they, if they lose it, your weekend's buggered, that's just the way it is for a, a, a really dedicated football fan. But I was trying to focus on joy and happiness. And that's what I'm trying to get from this team. And that's what I've been trying to get from my football over the last few years, specifically with Klopp and to really try to enjoy it. But Christ alive, Jan. I mean, I, I was made to look like a total hypocrite because if anyone had seen me in my living room as that match was going on, I was a little ball of fury and angst. I was just, I just couldn't. It was, I mean, you could see how good we were. You could see how potentially good they are. But everything they were doing, it was a classic it was a classic um, supporters' reaction I had. I'm, I'm really anxious to hear what you were looking, what you were getting from it, because as the game was going on, I was saying I'd never get tired slapping as Pilaqueta in the face, never, never, never. And I, I, all of the things they were doing were winding me up. Everything that was happening was just getting my goat, and I was starting to get very frustrated. Um, but in that kind of way, the, the, the word "gan" for yesterday was tense. It was fucking tense, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know when you talk about you had that feeling before that you couldn't take any more, just think of how the Chelsea fans felt. Because all their penalty takes, every one of them, the Chelsea fans knew if they miss, they would have lost it. In so their, their tense would have been even worse. You talk about Aspilicueta. I think he took over from Ander Herrera. He used to play for Manchester United. He was the one money where you thought, I will never get fed up giving him a little slap. Uh, Aspilicueta is, is, is the same, but I guess he's one of those, Trevor. If he's with you in your camp, you just love him. You know, the boys want everything in the game. I saw a stat, an incredible stat the other day for the defender. You know, he's never made a mistake that's led to a goal. So, but yeah, he is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> he really is annoying. Do you know all them things, Trevor, you described before? They are, they are for, delivering while you're watching the game, aren't they? You know, all those things where you're screaming and you're... And then once the game finishes and you kind of analyse it and you take a step away from it, isn't it? You come away from all those emotions, isn't it? But that's what it's like during that game, isn't it? You know, that's why I always say to people that stay off Facebook and stay off Twitter and whatever during the game, isn't it? Because you just can't control where you're going. At the end of the game, leave all those feelings in, in, the, in, the, in the front room where you watch it. And then be a bit more sensible, isn't it? Stay off it during the game. Obviously, plenty of people uh, don't, but I can imagine the fun that people had. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was just, it was, it was an incredible game. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be as exciting as it was. I didn't expect maybe Chelsea to to, to, to show what they did, uh, and I maybe didn't expect it to, to to create the chances that they did, isn't it? But yeah, it's a, it's another one in the in the bank where you go. It's another one in the bank for those finals that we will never forget. I and mean, we've played a lot of finals over the years, and. We have some, without being rude, we have some instant forgettable finals, even some of the ones we won that people don't remember because they lacked, they lacked whatever, they lacked intensity or, uh, you know, there was, there was no really, a, it wasn't close or exciting or whatever. Isn't it? But yeah, this one is, this one is another one for the, uh, for the, for the, for the, for the record books, for the memory bank, even though it was no nil. You know, you're so right because the, the biggest trophy in my estimation, at least of the club era, the Champions League. I mean, that was a that was a dog shit game. It was awful. It was terrible. I, I instantly forgettable match. I, I I couldn't I couldn't highlight one incident in the game for you apart from the two goals. I honestly couldn't. Um, it was a matter of endurance, getting your head ahead, getting your nose ahead, and then keeping it there. And I did the the enjoyable moment was Divock's goal because you knew that sealed it then that was enjoyable, um, but until then I couldn't relax at all. I was that was painful, but there was no uh, none of the excitement that we had yesterday uh, to to sort of temper that. Um, 
And just before we get into some of the details of the match, can I just sort of get, just for the, for, for listeners of, of the show, uh, a read on it. Atypically, you weren't at the game for once. It's not right. I wasn't at the game, no. Uh, we, we, we didn't have the rights. Uh, I, I did get invited by the club and I declined that invite because I was due to work for the, uh, for the club's, uh, TV station. Uh, but in the end, the, 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 the job on offer, I, I decided not to take and have the weekend off anyway. So I watched it on my own in, in my front room, which is, I think I'm at my best when I'm on my own watching a game of football. There was opportunities to go down to <laughs> yes. the local club and, yes. you know, but you just don't watch it, Trevor, do you? You know, you're queuing, you're talking, you're in the toilets, whatever, isn't it? No. Yeah, I don't know. I like to watch the, I like to watch the football, you see. Uh, I watched the 2005 Champions League final in in the local pub and I did a, a massive big quiz not so long ago and the 2005 Champions League was a big part of the quiz and because of that I lost it because I, I watched the game in the pub and I can't fucking remember anything you know what I mean I remember all the other games you know even Kenny yeah. Dalgis's debut for Liverpool in the in the late 70s whatever, but I didn't remember a lot from 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 the 2005 Champions League final apart from the results and the penalties and whatever it is so no I I'm 58 now, Trevor. I like to save it these moments, isn't it? So I actually like to see what goes on. And also, sometimes I like to listen to what the people behind the microphone's got to say, you know. And it's the same when I commentate, people agree and disagree, isn't it? It isn't a big deal, isn't it? But no, yesterday was really, really good. Leading up to the game, I was neither nor I was out walking the dog. So loads of Liverpool fans, you know, ready for the game. Some of them dressed up in their tracksuits and whatever, you know what I mean? But there was, there was a lot of excitement for what some people and I think wrongly, and I think Liverpool fans got to fall into that category. Stop calling the Mickey Mouse Cup. It's, it's a tremendous trophy to win. It's a tremendous day out of Wembley. You know, the new Wembley. Yeah, let's let's just enjoy it. Let's rock with it. Yeah, look, it's it's a lovely it's a lovely habit to be getting ourselves into. And and I suppose the reason I asked is because I had this picture of you like myself. Uh, well, uh, the reason I watch football alone is because I tend to get a little bit sort of you know I used to get a bit sort of you know a, a, a bit. It was a bit too intense for any any of the family to be around. Since I've started doing um, uh, the shows, I'm, I'm there with my laptop beside me. But yesterday was a rare day off, and guy who's listening to us here, who's producing, was hosting the post match um, show because he's done all he did all the cup games leading up to uh, and including the final. So I was free to just jump around the place and it did cross my mind because I knew I knew you were probably going to watch it at home like as you're watching the game are you as are you are you, are you quite demonstrative do you, do you, would you shout at the telly would you be up on your feet occasionally do you, do you walk around the room do you do a bit of pacing what way was what was Jan Malby watching the Liverpool big Liverpool game on his own in the front room look like and there's only there's only two things I really do and it's it's only because the wife comes in every now and again and she's the one who goes who are you talking to well, technically no one <laughs> you know I'm just talking to myself <laughs> you know and then every now and again she goes the language out of you and that's that's not in any kind of sentence that's just fucking hell what's that fuck off you know what I mean it's kind of that that sort of you know <laughs> you know but, but, uh, no I'm not one who, I don't I don't jump up and rant and rave and whatever but I do talk to myself and I do I do swear under my breath a little bit you know what I mean so yeah, uh, yeah but I yeah you know, but it was a bit. You know, people. I was a bit. I was a bit like that as a as, as a player. You know, uh, it, it it took a lot uh, for me to maybe show how much it it it, it meant everything. You know what I mean? But maybe I wasn't. As, some people are just better at letting it out, aren't they? Some people have got. You know, some people got all the moves. They can do all the dancing and they look happy and they do all these silly things and whatever. And I just always have sort of a, a, a calm, reflective moment when. When, when things are finished and there's obviously only ever two outcomes, you either win or you lose. Uh, and I always spend that to sort of, you know, just, just to sum up or just experience whether that's being part of it or watching it is. And that's kind of how I deal with it. Ah, uh, you know, that's, that's the, that's the, the, the reserve we've come to associate with, uh, with you on this show and, and also and having a balance to it as well. And I mean, you know, for what it's worth, I can relate. There was a, a few choice expletives being hurled in the direction of the TV from where I was sitting uh, yesterday when um, they ruled out uh, a, a second goal for in a row for Joel Matip. That was just cruelty of the highest order. And um, 
you know, I got suckered into the whole thing of celebrating as well. Like, you know, I, I, I've, I've become very wary and cynical since VAR has come in. Like, it, it, it does take the good out of it a bit, I'll have to say, because you're kind of waiting and watching them. You don't commit fully to the moment of joy for the most part, unless it's someone hitting a cracker from 30 yards. You can't really commit because you, you're always worried. But the endless replays, good God. Uh, and the final decision, uh, it's, it's a controversial moment from the 90 that I wouldn't mind starting off our little analysis of the match with because a lot of people have talked about it. And, you know, I saw Dermot Gallagher, the man with two accents. I don't know if you've uh, paid attention to this, but when he's talking to <laughs> Irish people, he sounds like, he sounds like an Irish lad. But then when he's talking, and he actually admits it, he says he's, he puts on an English accent when he's talking, when he's talking to, very strange, but fair play, Dermot, whatever he wants to do. And he's the, he's Sky's go-to guy, um, uh, for their referees analysis in the day after. And he reckons it was quite a logical decision. Stuart Atwell on the day obviously decided to call it, uh, against Liverpool. And from what I can work out, um, as far as I know, it was because Virgil van Dijk was in an offside position and interfering with play. Um, and I suppose if you follow letter of the law, maybe you can sort of take that one. But in the heat of the moment, it's, it felt very, very harsh indeed. Uh, with time to reflect, what, what's your take on that call? Um, because it came, I suppose, actually just for clarification, it came on the back of that really awful, uh, Manchester City handball decision. Uh, and an awful lot of talk about Chris Cavanagh and a few other people who have given absolutely woeful decisions against Liverpool that weren't sort of iffy or could have gone either way. They were just scandalously bad. Uh, like that Manchester City handball decision was scandalously bad. The kind of thing that actually makes people just middle of the road pundits and commentators just go, that's ridiculous. And what's the point of this thing? It really undermines the whole purpose of the thing. And so I had that and it was all built up in my head. And then, you know, Joe Matip and a moment of joy is disallowed. And I, 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 I could not get my head around it in the course of the 90 minutes and even in the aftermath. But the more I'm listening to people trying to rationalize it, I suppose there is a, there is a logic to it. If you're saying Virgil's interfering, what, what was your take on? Well, I mean, we had four disallowed goals uh, in, in in the game, and I have to be honest, you, you always think VAR because you know it's going to get checked. But I have to be honest, I thought two of them would be allowed to stand, and and Max had been one of them, and the Kai Havertz uh, left foot shot. I just didn't see, you know, in 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 that moment, I just didn't see how clear he was offside. And I actually thought my first instant with both of them were they'll both stand. Uh, yeah. And then when you see the the, the show, Max had won again. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the referee uh, in in the VAR, he, he he saw that Liverpool would have gained an advantage by Virgil Van Dijk's presence, uh, but still, it then becomes subjective because otherwise they wouldn't have asked Stuart Edwards to go and have a look. Uh, then they allowed him to go and have a look at it, and I think in the end, it's 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 one of those, isn't it? Uh, you're disappointed that it's 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 not being allowed to, to to stand, isn't it? But I think if it would have been given against you, you'd have been disappointed, isn't it? So it's a bit like when the player stands in front of the goalkeeper and blocks his view and he's active and you go kind of, you know, he's in an upside position there. So people talk about what was it for. It, it was given for upside. It wasn't given for foul. Some people thought it might have been given for a foul. It was given for Virgil van Dijk being in an upside position where they judged that Liverpool gained an advantage be, be, because of that. And then... The referee went to the uh, screens, and we know what that means. Uh, more often than not, uh, they would then change their mind. Isn't it? Yeah, I think in the end, I don't think we should just go. It doesn't matter because we won, because VAR matters. You know, VAR will have an impact on on everything. So we shouldn't just go. Oh, well, it doesn't matter because we won, isn't it? But I think, I think they just about got that right. Yeah, and as you say, uh, over the course of the ninety. 90- You'd have to be um, very, very one-eyed to deny that Chelsea had tremendous opportunities. The ball in the net themselves on a couple of occasions uh, with Lukaku and, and Havertz, as you said. So uh, we can uh, assess that a little bit later on. But just to to, to take it back to the start, um, you know, you knew Jurgen meant business with the team that he selected. And the only thing that was causing a lot of conversation was, um, and an awful lot of, uh, I saw a lot of um, Chelsea fans uh, being retweeted onto my timeline with kind of smug tweets about, uh, 
you know, Tom, Thomas Tuchel, uh, 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 yeah, it, it, sorry, it was Kepa, wasn't it, who had been in for all the rounds up until the final, and he puts in his main man, Mendy, for final, and Klopp doesn't, and it was kind of sneering kind of tones about that. But with the exception of Quivy and Kelleher, who, more of who, whom uh, later on we'll get into a bit of detail on old Quive later on, but let's be honest, that is that team meant business. He was there's no way Klopp wasn't going for this. It was the strongest team he could put out. Um, I I think um, considering a couple of the injuries, and then the setback of Thiago being injured was a big kick in the face and. It went against us, I think, because they really had us in the back foot for the first 15 minutes or maybe even 20, uh, where we couldn't seem to do anything right. We were very disjointed, second to everything. Their intensity and pressure was so much greater than ours. But apart, all, apart from the keeper selection, uh, you'd have to say Jurgen was clearly going for this trophy. Um, and, you know, when eventually we started to play our ball, um, I was very optimistic then after that opening section where we did look rocky and they did look like they were uh far more co- more coherent and, and and forceful and energetic you know uh it was quite it was quite a shockingly slow liverpool start wasn't it yeah it was in many ways it was a very unusual way for chelsea to start a, a game but they came flying out the blocks and and their front three really squeezed up and tried to put us under a lot of pressure and i don't know whether that would have would have changed with the news that Thiago wasn't playing. They thought we might be able to catch Liverpool a goal a little bit there. They don't have that midfield control that we sometimes experience when we play against them. So they went at us. And in terms of creating chances, they also managed to create chances. And they did that with those sort of deep midfield runners uh, with our high line and, and Mason Mount and, and Pulisic managed to run in behind us on a couple of occasions. Maybe they should have done better. Uh, they, they, they didn't in the end. And it took a bit of time. It took the best part of 25 minutes before we sort of worked our way back into the game. And again, you know, I think the one thing that got us back into the game is that as quick as they started, once we found our feet, we were even more energetic. Jets are going to play at a higher tempo. And that stressed them a bit. They made one or two mistakes, not massive big mistakes, but they allowed us back into the game. Uh, and then it was then it was our game for, for, for quite a while without getting the rewards. And obviously the big one is is the Sadio Mane shot that, that, that Mendy somehow uh, saves in it. But it was very much in in, in line with the way that the game went, wasn't it, you know, so, but yeah, it was, it was, it was actually an interesting game, uh, because of the way that it started, you know, because of, because of what they brought. And I think it kind of give you a little bit of a wake up going, oh, okay, this is game on, you know, this, this is going to be really interesting and this is going to take some winning. You know, I, I think it will have done a lot for, you know, genuine observers of the game and people who are trying to make up their mind about how good Jurgen's rain has been and how good this team he's putting together is i think it will have impressed them a lot i know my pal who's a city fan was all to me during the match and after the match uh sending me sending me stuff on whatsapp talking about what a cracking game it was and um he predicted that we'd probably win on penalties but of course i can't even look at messages like that you're you know from whether it's friend or foe i don't want to talk to anyone <laughs> i'm just in i'm in match uh match mode but the overwhelming takeaway from everyone I spoke to today who was of a neutral band was that it was just an outrageously good game of football. And um, I guess that makes it even better to have won. Uh, and we should start leaning into a couple of the specifics now because, you know, it was like, you know, obviously, uh, as, as as we've both said and as a lot of people have said, that it was a tremendous match. Lots of great goal mouth incidents and opportunities and shots and target and shots close to the target and all those kind of things that we like to see good football getting played um by a bunch of very good footballers and that continued right to the death all the way through the penalty sequence but to go back to that man who he selected uh Quivian Kelleher I have to say before we get to the penalties I was really, really impressed with him over the course of the game itself and the extra time. I mean, he is really self-possessed, calm young fella in a way that you don't see very much. And when you see him interviewed, um, he's just trem- tremendously sort of humble fella. There's 
literally no airs and graces about him. Um, I, I, I'm very excited, Jan, about what, 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 what this lad could be for us going forward. I mean, he can't even get into the Irish team. There's, uh, David Bazunu is ahead of him. And uh, honestly, a few more uh, performances like that for Liverpool first team from Cuevin, I think Bazuna will be looking over his shoulder and thinking, well, I don't really have a chance here. What, what, what did you make of his, his 90 minutes plus extra time? Well, well, obviously, you talk about him being the first choice for Ireland, playing a few more games for Liverpool first team, and that, in the short term, is going to be his biggest problem, isn't it? Because of who he's got in front of him. I, I think sometimes you get, sometimes you get some very good players at a football club, and still, when they're being asked to play in certain games, you worry about them. You know, here I'm mainly talking about young players, you know, and you think, well, he looks a really good player, but I wouldn't play him when we've got to go to A, B and C. Akela is also a, a relatively young player, uh, has, hasn't played many games, but I don't think there would be a game Liverpool could play in where I would be worried about him having to be in nets. You know, I just don't worry about him when he's he's playing. He, he looks way beyond his years with his calmness. He's, he's, a, he's a very good goalkeeper. He does a lot of the things I like uh, and I expect goalkeepers to do, isn't he? So, I mean, the only frustrating bit for him is that He's kind of thinking, he's sitting at home now going, this is great, I love being at Liverpool, I love being part of all this, but I'm probably already a Premier League goalkeeper, isn't it? So that's a frustrating bit for him, isn't it? But as I said before, I think that's the biggest compliment you can pay is that if we got to the Champions League final and Alison Becker was injured or suspended, it, it wouldn't bother me one bit. If I had to do the preview to that game, I wouldn't even think it would be a talking point. Yeah, you can say, what about, but he's more than up to it, I think. Yeah, I think he's a really, really good. And, and yet again, Credit to the staff, you know, credit to the people that work with him every day because the first time I saw him, I thought, I won't see him again. And, and here he is now. Yeah, he looks a really good player, a really good goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the people I'm, I'm happiest for in this, um, last few years and the, the, the specifically the Klopp era, one of the pe- people I'm happiest for is John Ackerberg because there was an awful lot of sort of know-it-all boys who were talking, um, about, you know, how, he, he, it must have been his influence because we just couldn't sort of get our goalkeeping situation together and Pepe Reina's game had fallen off but then it was you know uh, the Mignolet years and all the rest of it and poor old Lachterberg used to get it in the neck and all of a sudden you give the guy a couple of good people to work with like genuinely excellent people to work with and it's a different story and I think that's very very revealing and you, you would be very very happy for a fellow like that who was taken sort of terrible terrible un, unwarranted uh, abuse just because i suppose everybody was flailing around looking for people to blame and give out about back in the darker days of uh of um the you know late hodgson and and, and the last year of, of of brendan rogers and stuff like that so i have to say i would be delighted for him and you know the the, the place where Cuevin sort of was going to be most on display, of course, was in the penalty shootout. Now, here's where we look at a contrast in management styles, and here's where we look at a contrast in player styles. And it's quite marked on both occasions. So I have a couple of things I'm going to throw out to you. You let me know. You, you can completely ignore them, make your own points, or if you want to, if you want to address one or two of them. First thing. Klopp versus Tuchel. And it's a thing I've noticed with Klopp versus Guardiola. I think I've noticed it a couple of times with Nagelsmann. It can happen where the opposition manager looks to overthink it uh, when it comes to facing up against Jurgen Klopp. Um, I don't know if it's because there's a sort of perceived simplicity about how Jurgen goes about things, which is really kind of condescending. That's bullshit, you know, but I don't know what it is, but these guys think they can sort of tactic him uh, uh, into oblivion. And Tuchel deciding to bring on Kepa is one of those moments where I think he just went full galaxy brain and I'm thinking, lad, you fucked it there. Uh, That's one point. Point two then is look at the lad who comes on. And there's two, two parts to this. One is... Stuart Atwell, what sort of a referee or official is he that he can allow that guy to get away with his blatant uh, intimidation tactics 
every single time. He should have been yellow carded the first time, and that should have been it. But no, every single time our lads had to put up with him and his bullshit. And the look Virgil van Dijk gave him, I think Jan summed it all up beautifully. And could you think of a more perfect way for it to end than Quivin scoring his penalty and Kepa, who had indulged in all that bullshit, sky in his in the way that he did. So a contrast of two managers and a contrast of two players. Talk to me around about those two ideas, if you would. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Kepa bit is the karma bit, isn't it? You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of, it wasn't Kepa's decision to come on, was it? That was Thomas Tuchel's uh, decision. And then the goalkeeper's gone on and tried to do the best uh, he could in, in whatever way. But I think the thing with Klopp, is that, and you mentioned it, you do simple things well, you're going to go a long way. And that's exactly what Liverpool do. And I think managers, top managers look and go, we know exactly what Liverpool are going to bring because very rarely do we change, but we just do it so well, it's almost impossible to deal with. So yeah, maybe this. I have to be totally honest with Trevor. I've been at games in the past that's ended in penalty shootouts. And sometimes I have said, if I was a manager here, I would be tempted to change goalkeepers. I think the goalkeeper on the bench might be better or whatever, but it never happened until Louis van Gaal did it in 2014. I think it was 2014 in the World Cup. And I went, that's what I've been on about for all them years. The boy's a genius, isn't he? So the decision in terms of that was obviously made days before the cup final. If we get to the penalties, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and, and, and they will point to stats. I just think that, and I even heard the commentator talk about when the 120 minutes was over and then I've got to pick the penalty takers and uh, Gary Neville went and this is now the time where you look at the players and you, you, you ask the players who fancies it that's not how it works anymore that's how it worked in my day you get to a penalty shootout and you go who fancies it that's just not how it works today that they would have worked that out on Friday they would have known exactly that if you're on that pitch you're expected to take a penalty and if you're not whatever blah 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 and I have to be told honest, in terms of penalties once we got beyond the first five you know, and then you're into players who never take penalties. They don't even take penalties, but a national team. I never worried about one Liverpool player beyond the fifth one. But every Chelsea player that went up, I was slightly worried. I was thinking, whoa, I don't fancy him. I don't fancy him. I don't fancy him. To be fair to him, they did a really good job. Uh, Keller, I, I didn't worry about him either. But I didn't think he was going to take the penalty the way that he did. Uh, he took the penalty like he, he took 100 penalties. I thought he was just going to do what Gold. I thought he was going to do what Kepa. Kepa, instead of taking the penalty, took a goal kick and fluffed it over the line. I thought Keller, Keller would have done the same. He would have just blasted it because that's the way a lot of goalkeepers do, isn't it? But <laughs> his penalty, it was just unreal. But I do agree with the, with the, with the Kepa uh, antics. But, but maybe that's part of why they brought him on. I thought, you know, if we have a guy who can upset them and, 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 uh, bring them off their concentration a little bit, this is this guy with all his antics, isn't it? And I do agree with the referees. It would have been so much easier. The referee's got that power with a single card, hasn't he? No, no, no more of this pissing around, isn't it? And that's what I meant in the end when I said that's the karma bit, isn't it? You know, he just didn't get what he was meant to do. Face 11 penalties, you're a penalty saving expert. And, uh, you didn't get anywhere near any of them, eh? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you make a good point. It's not his fault that he's brought on. Um, and so you, it's, that's not the reason I'm annoyed with him. I'm not even annoyed with him that he, 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 uh, you know, tried to shit house once. I, I found myself, you know, getting very annoyed as, as it's allowed to go on. Uh, but most of that annoyance is, 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 as I'm watching the game is directed straight at Atwell thinking, I mean, it's just not right that, you know, you, that should not be left. But anyway, it is what it is. Do you think, Trevor, do you think the referees at that stage, penalty shooter, they stop refereeing? All, all the referee does in a penalty shootout is blow the whistle, isn't it? You know, because you've got a uh, assistant referee on the line and then you've got VAR take or anything else controversial. So it's almost as if they stop refereeing it at that point and they go, all I've got to do here now is blow the whistle. Actually, that's a good shout, you know. That's a good shout. He's officially like, he's, he's, he's literally on the beach. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. That's, that's very possibly it because the little sort of soft soap when he was doing every, every single time. I'll tell you, to, to use an analogy from my place of work, it reminded me of one or two colleagues I've had over the years who sort of keep saying things like, now stop doing that, now, now stop doing that, now, come on now lads, stop doing that. And you can imagine the uh, 
the crack that lads have just absolutely taking the piss out of teachers who who who, who uh, carry on in that regard. And it just seemed that way. It just seemed like the ineffectual school teacher to me. Um, and Kepa have has the head of a of a of a of a, a young secondary school kid. He's a very very young looking man. And listen, I mean, at the end, the celebrations we've already touched on. But you know what's happened is over the course of you know the hours the past. Uh, after the final whistle, and I know you're not a big man for social media, but it's very interesting. I'm sure things get pinged on to you via WhatsApp and whatever. And you do see that it looks as if uh, the lad in the field here in rural Ireland is not the only man on the up the four trophy reds. Let's win the lot. Because Mo Salah tweeted one down, a uh, picture of him with the cup. Uh, and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold tweeted something similar, like, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's one step or something like that. Uh, the lads, they ha- they're hungry, man, and I love that. I just love the hunger. It's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be an essential part. It, it doesn't matter how good our squad is or how fit we manage to keep it. If they're not hungry, they don't have a chance. And there was a real there's a real appetite there for trophies. I mean, they, it was there was no sort of Yes, there was beautiful joy and celebration, but it was like right next, you know. And I, fucking that, that gets that gets me uh, gets me excited for what what the potential that still uh, is alive in the season yet. Yeah, and I actually I enjoy the celebrations. I think the celebrations is a massive part of of, of it because you've just achieved something. And then at some stage, and I guess that would have been last night. At some stage, they would have shut that down. That celebration and gone. Listen, we've got to play Norwich on Wednesday, and I like that. That's the only way of doing it. And you know when you talk about the four timer, a friend of mine, uh, he's obviously got like most people have got a man cave in the garden, and he just texted me before and he said, "When do you suggest I get the champions wall updated?" And I said, "Maybe just wait till the end of the season. Then you just have to get it done once this season." You know what I mean? So that's kind of the mood people are in at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And why not? You know, uh, I I apologise to nobody for it. I spent enough years being pessimistic. I think we all did, and it really gets you down. I uh, being pessimistic is shit because it's just it's just you know you, you, there's no joy in that and 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 why wouldn't you back this lot to win everything that they're in why wouldn't you you'd have to be an idiot not to they've continually proved it to you um a word if we could for poor Tiago because that was a sickener and uh I was lucky enough because I only put it on just as the whistle went to not see the poor bastard sitting there in the in tears, upset. It must have been a sickener. I can't imagine how awful that would be. You're keyed up for a final. He's finally got himself back, you know, as a uh, got himself to a stage where he's just an indispensable member of the team. He's on it. He's he's fit. He's healthy. And then that happens. I mean, that is that's just absolutely atrocious blow for the kid. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is it, it's a football injury. He's pulled the muscle. Uh, and it's kind of part of what he does, isn't it? But I always liken it to Fernando Torres in 2010 when he was at Liverpool and, and, he, and he went to the World Cup with Spain and he was going to be the big man. And they won the World Cup Spain, but he played no part of such. And this is the same as a footballer, isn't it? You know, Thiago would have sat there at the end of that game and gone happy, but, you know, only happy as far as he could be because you haven't been part of it, isn't it? So there is, there's, there's nothing that can replace that. When you miss out, Trevor, it, it, it's fucking horrible when you miss out, you know, whether that's through being benched or not in the squad or injured or whatever. You can be, you can only be so happy, isn't it? And uh, it's a very, very bitter pill to, to, to swallow. You know, as much as he would have been delighted, he, he'd be sitting at home and going, this this really was the, the, the first sort of big moment for him during his Liverpool time, wasn't it? You know, he's, he's back, he's been fit, he's been playing as well as he has since he got here. And this was his moment to shine, wasn't it? This was his moment to shine. We assumed that it was going to be against the main defensive Chelsea team where he could dominate, isn't it? And then last minute is taken away from him, isn't it? Big, big blow. But, you know, he'll get over it. He will. And, you know, there, as you say, it, it sounds as if it's some sort of a hamstring um, uh, uh, tweak and they're going to see how serious it is. That's why we didn't warm up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bit of light stretching, yeah, and straight into exactly. it. Let's have it. And a cup of, <laughs> a cup of tea with a bit of sugar. In. A cup of tea with a bit of sugar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
unless you're Stevie Nickel, where you want it, you want your crisps and you fucking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but only two pounds. Full coke, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, it's 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 a beautiful start uh, to 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 the uh, to the, the the season in terms of success. Um, first uh, obstacle uh, that we uh, began, uh, we have completely succeeded in overcoming, and that is a tremendous thing. I think. I've said it all along. I think you have as well. You can't get enough trophies. And, and, and as you said as well, I, I think it bears repeating the significance of it being at Wembley and getting into that habit is a wonderful thing as well. But we know the season rocks on and um, we the, the games have been coming thick and fast. We didn't even get a chance really and we, we, we don't really ha- have the time on this show to reflect on what was a, an outstanding win against Leeds, a 6-0 victory. I mean, the that in and of itself should have probably and probably did have a, a bit of a psychological effect. You would have thought in Chelsea, so they, they must have been thinking, oh, Christ, I uh, don't like the look of this. And certainly you would have thought it possibly did again, it would have against City as well. And, you know, less said about uh, City's result at the weekend, the better. Uh, we'll just leave that there. But what I would like to say is just to mark it for, for the sake of, of it, um, the parting of the ways with uh, Bielsa and Leeds, I spoke today to a 50-something, uh, mid-50s-year-old Leeds fan. He's been there from from uh, the, the glory days in the 70s onwards, and he was disgusted, man. He was disgusted at the way that it was done um, it came across very much as, as, as Bielsa had been sacked and then they seemed to be talking out of the other side of their mouth and talking about you know some kind of a statue or a tribute to Bielsa it does seem like a very quick turnaround from where he's you know the absolute main man and they've got that beautiful old trophy they're lifting and they're on their way up into the Premier League and they're being fated in the Premier League and then okay it's a tough time but do you get rid of a fellow like that I mean it's especially when he's committed to them and he's never done that before. It seems a bit of a strange one, man. It's, it it just seems like the Premier League knee-jerk thing to do. And I'd like to think, that I, I I was hoping they were a bit better than that. Yeah, I think a lot of Leeds fans would have hoped exactly the same. Uh, what, 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 what kind of what you read in between the lines is that, you know, for, for them to have a chance of staying up, they felt something needed to change. And they knew it was never going to be Bielsa. He plays the way he, uh, he plays. So he's never going to change. And they felt that they needed to, to change. Uh, so now, now talking about bringing in Jesse Marsh. I like him. I think he's, I think potentially he'll be a top, top manager, but I don't think he's done anything as of yet to fill me with confidence that he might be the right man to do the job that's required at least uh, right this moment in time. Their main man, Calvin Phillips, who's been our angel for a couple of months, he made a good point uh, just before Christmas when in an interview he said, the problem we got in the second season is that we're no longer new. Everybody has seen what we got, and we don't change. But we sense that the people we play against change, and that's where we struggle, you know. So I think it's sad. He will get. I mean, they named beer after him. They made. They named streets after him in 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 Yorkshire, and I'm sure there's going to be a statue because it's it's much more than him just being a football manager. There's a lot more to this man, and I think. The tribute that the Leeds players pay, it's more about the impact they've had on them as human beings. Uh, so, had up for the job he's done, 66. I've got a feeling he might return to Argentina and maybe this might be the end, isn't it? But, but I think we were, I think we were blessed that he was here for a little while. Is he a top manager? If you mess your top manager against trophies, then he's not. But you ask any Leeds fans, they'll disagree. They'll tell you that he's the best they've ever had. A hundred percent. Yeah, it just seemed like a strange one. I, I was very anxious to get your take on it, and uh, I'm glad he did, as ever. We do have two games coming up, uh, which are Norwich in the FA Cup on Wednesday. That's uh, the evening after tomorrow. And then we have on Saturday at half five um, at Anfield West Ham uh, in the Premier League. Um, and we should give a little bit of time to both Um Starting with the Norwich game, and and because of the way the, the the match went with the extra time and all the rest of it, um, and 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 possibly as well, you know, the the the, the Thiago absence for a couple of weeks uh, at least, maybe there's going to be more of a reshuffle now than I would have initially 
thought because uh, you know I'm I'm big into Jurgen's thing with with rhythm and and uh, that we are very much at our best when we're playing every few days. I I think that's unquestioned. Uh, so I would initially have thought, you know, looking forward to the fixtures from from afar, maybe two or three games ago, that there wouldn't have been a massive shake-up here in terms of the selection. But I think now there might be. And I don't know, does Kelleher get the nod in the FA Cup as well? That might be just a step too far, and I'm not sure. I, and I don't mean in terms of the status of the competition. I mean just that, you know, that <laughs> Ali might have something to say about that. Um, uh, but there's so many lads who could come in and, start now you'd imagine for example you could see Kanate and, and Gomez starting and <laughs> no one could be too upset about that but do you, can you really leave Virgil van Dijk out when he's in the form he's in uh, Fabinho do you, is this one of the games where you rest Fab uh, and maybe play Hendo in the six I don't know there's there's a, a lovely selection headache for, for the manager now you would imagine I guess is that he'll go as strong as he can go which is going to look something very like Sunday against West Ham so with the quick turnaround, do you see a big change? Do you see a lot of these guys coming in? Minamino, Origi, the likes of those guys, Ox, do they get their game against um, against Norwich in the FA Cup? I, I couldn't help it, Trevor, but Rhythm is a dancer. Uh, you talked about it. It's, 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 a, it's a great song. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it Trevor, I do, yeah. I do, yeah. I actually, I actually spent a lot of time thinking about that today, the team selection. And I think he's going to go all out changes. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Kelleher, Gomez, uh, Konate, maybe Van Dyke, Simicas, Milner, Curtis Jones, Oxlade Chamberlain, Harvey Elliott, uh, Schotter, Minamino, Origi, there's 12. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, would that have changed whether we won the cup or not? I'm not too sure, but I've got a feeling that I think he's going to go all out changes. But you think, listen, I might, I might be wrong, isn't it? But, but obviously you, I don't know how you feel, Trevor, but I, yeah, I've got a feeling there's going to be a lot of change. I, I, the only thing that would worry me by a lot of changes is like, you know how invested I am in this potential tra- uh, quadruple. So, I mean, I don't, want, I don't want to see us putting anything on the line here. Once we have a bench that looks like very solid where you've got the likes of, uh, for example, I wonder would Diaz play this game? Because I think he was very, very impressive again. I think an awful lot of people, I mean, he was so good in the previous game and um, very good in the final as well. Uh, and a lot of people were seeing him for the first time in the final. For example, I was watching Sky and Gary Neville had obviously never seen him before and he was, he couldn't get over him. And I mean, he he's played better for us than he did uh, in the final, but he was still obviously very good. And Neville was so impressed. I wonder would Diaz play? Is Diaz one of those guys that just he, like like it like a Suarez, where he just he, he he wants to play all the games all the time, or do you have to manage his minutes? Or it's interesting. I mean, you know, we we have a few absentees. We know Thiago's going to be out. We know Bobby Firmino's going to be out. But it is interesting. We can put a great team out there that you would be confident could beat Norwich. But then again, Norwich, like we said last time out, if bugger all left. Don't they? I mean, uh, it, their their chances of escaping relegation might be quite slim, and yeah, the FA Cup might be their, the be all and the end all for them, or they might just go. Do you know what? Honestly, we have a very very slim chance, but it's a chance of escaping relegation. So honestly, fuck the FA Cup. I mean, we have to think about it from Norwich's point of view as well. If you're in there, if, if you're if you're in in in, in the the manager's uh, seat there, I mean, do you do you prioritize? Uh, can you or should you prioritise anything? We've seen managers do it in the past, uh, very notably, you know, the likes of Ranieri, that's just completely self-sod this, like we're in one competition and that's all that matters. What do you think? Well, I, I think if you go back 30 years ago, Trevor, it was always a big thing for the teams uh, in, in a low escalance of any league uh, to get a run in the FA Cup, whereas now they, they, they look at something else that's more important, which is staying in the Premier League. Having said all of that, Dean Smith, English manager knows what it means to an Norwich fan. I think they'll come as strong as they can. Uh, I think, and I think Dean Smith might think that might not have been a bad thing that Liverpool 120 minutes winning the cup, uh, and 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 Klopp might be tempted to to, to uh, rest some of his main players. And then it comes back to that rhythm thing, the very thing that we maybe struggled a little bit with when we played them in the league a couple of weeks ago, where we made seven changes and it took a while before we we hit our rhythm. Uh, so. I don't know. I mean, it, on paper, he looks pretty straightforward. If you look at Norris and you look at the points and you think they're not out of it, 
they got a chance of getting out of it. But when you see them play, you think, no, they are out of it. There's no way they're ever going to stay or business. So I think this is their last chance at a bit of a of a hooray for this season. And if they'll come strong, we'll also be strong. I think there'll be a lot of Liverpool changes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that that table is grim reading for Norwich. You know, twenty six matches played, seventeen points, and and Watford are, are two ahead of them with the same, and Burnley have two games in hand, and they're 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 uh, four points ahead of them. It just looks bleak for Norwich. It really does, and it's just it, it's 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 a matter. It, it, I I think it's one of those old fashioned ones. I think you're right. I think it's like you know, this is this is the the chance for a bit of a a bit of a, a hurrah, and I think they'll be all in. So it's going to be a very very interesting game, and hopefully whatever side Kloppo puts out has enough to do the job. But we also have another massive game before you and I speak next, which will be uh, the West Ham game uh, in the Premier League, and. For the benefit of folks who are wondering how West Ham are getting on, they have a fifth round FA Cup game on the 2nd of March against uh, Southampton, um, away at Southampton. And in their most recent games, they had a 1-0 win yesterday over Wolves, uh, one all before that with Newcastle, 2-2 before that with Leicester. A 1-0 over Watford before that. Um, obviously, they beat Kidderminster in the FA Cup in the fourth round. Uh, they had a 1-0 reversal away at United. Uh, Leeds beat them 3-2 at West Ham's place. And you have to go back to the 12th of January where they beat the team we've just been speaking about, Norwich, by two goals to nil. Um, and in their most recent league outing, um, the West Ham lineup. Uh, was Fabianski and they go across the back with um, Dawson, Zuma and Cresswell and then they have Johnson and Fornals um, on the flanks, Rice and Suchek, uh, Bowen and Lanzini and, and Mikel Antonio. And listen, that team has been doing enough damage that they are sitting pretty there in fifth spot in the Premier League, 45 points, two points behind Manchester United who are in fourth. Um, and five behind Chelsea who have two games in hand over them. So they're really fighting for that fourth spot currently. Um, you go back to Arsenal. Arsenal are in the same amount of points, but they have a lot less games played. So you're looking at, at West Ham then dropping down to sixth if Arsenal win any of those games in hand. So it's a massive, massive period of season for them. And listen, they're going to be very, very uh, excitable. They do have a, a, a an FA Cup tie to distract them as well. But they will present a massive challenge for us. No two ways about it. They're capable of, of beating anybody on their day. They've a lot of very exciting footballers. I mentioned a few of them there. In terms of uh, that lineup, like I say, I don't think there's any doubt, but Klopp will go as strong as he can go. Um, with the rhythm, you'd like to think we'll have enough to get past them, but it's going to be a big challenge that one, Jan. Like, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tidy team that David Moyes has got there. I like West Ham, and I think David Moyes has done a really good job. The, the, the way that he wants to do the job, you know, he's brought a couple of relatively cheap uh, Czech internationals, and he's bought Jared Bowen from Hull, and he took Dawson uh, from from Watford centre half. The way he wants to do things, and he, he he spots he spots a bit of talent, and then he likes to go and get them. Uh, they're a real goal threat. They score goals, and that's why they're so dangerous. I thought they played, I thought they did well against Wolves. Wolves is a difficult opposition. They weren't as attack minded as they normally are. They didn't leave themselves uh, as vulnerable on the counter attack as they normally do. They dropped a little bit deeper uh, and were better organised. But they got some really, really, yeah, they got some top players. I mean, Mikel Antonio, who's playing up front on his own, looks a little tired at the moment. He's not really amongst the goals. Uh, but they got good players in behind. Declan Rice is, is a really good player. And Jared Bowen is, hasn't. Unbelievable season. So, yeah, this has got the potential of being a really difficult game. And let's not forget, we lost down there. And what they did was they put us under a lot of pressure from set pieces, especially from corners. They did the same a couple of weeks later when they played Chelsea and also beat Chelsea. So they are more than capable. I think the big thing when you play, we, there's a lot of good teams you're playing in, 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 in the Premier League, but always you, you narrow down to, yeah, but can they come to Anfield and score? And I think there's a lot of teams who come and you think, oh, they can't score against us. This team has got a chance because they score goals. They score goals at home. I think they scored over 20 goals away from home. They're one of the highest scorers away from home. They're a dangerous team. 
Yeah, that, that goal scoring stat is a really interesting one because I'm just having a look at the table as you're talking there, and they have scored over the course of the campaign to date in their 27 games. They've scored 46 goals, um, and United, uh, who are ahead of them, uh, have scored only 44. Um, and United, like I say, two points ahead of them. Uh, West Ham's goal difference is 12. United's is 10. But again, it's just by dint of a better. A better, um, two more draws over the course of the season, um, for West Ham, for United than, uh, than, uh, for, for West Ham rather than for United. And that's basically the difference. Um, um, eight wins for United. Oh, sorry. Uh, 13 wins each, you know. So it, it's, it, they're really, they're, they, in theory, they're in it, but it, it, they could start to drift, like I say, if Arsenal get into it. But the goal scored thing is really interesting because you look at that 46 goals scored by West Ham United. And you take yourself up to the second place team in the table and Liverpool have scored 70 fucking goals, Jan. Um, with a, with a goal difference now of 50, only 20 conceded as opposed to the 34 that West Ham conceded, their goal difference 12. Our goal difference is 50. You put these things together and we saw it against Leeds, a beautiful display of it. Um, you're not going to see Liverpool go too many games in a row where they don't score in the course of 90 minutes, never mind extra time as well. So you'd like to think there are going to be a few goals in these next few games. And that's probably where it's going to come, where, where we're at our best. I mean, we know the tremendous defenders, the best defender in the world. But a lot of people were saying this as they were, again, listen to the commentary yesterday. People just can't get over the amount of attacking options we have now that Diaz has been introduced. It's like a an embarrassment of riches. Shota to come on, Bobby to come back, all of these guys who can get you hatful, and of course Mo and Mane and uh, knocking them in as well. Uh that's going to be the thing. Obviously, it might sound a bit obvious, but that's going to be the thing that gets us whatever success we get this season, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and as much as we talk about West Ham and their ability to score goals and I was never going to compare them to Liverpool or Manchester City, who's on a whole different level in terms of that. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be a game where you're going to say, well, okay, we'll have to outscore them because I don't think they're capable of getting that many. But I think they are one of the, so when you look at a team, you fully expect to, to win, but they are a threat because they, they score goals, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at Sky Sports, Trevor, and you see the top scorer in the Premier League, number one is, is, is Mo Salah, number two is Jota, number three is Manny. And when you look at the assists, we've also got the top three assist makers in the Premier League, which just gives you an indication of, of the way that we play the game, isn't it? We, we just create and score so many goals, isn't it? Uh, but this, this game, in fairness, got a chance of, of, of having a few goals in the best sure. So on the balance then, just to wrap up, like we usually do, uh, Norwich, how do you see that one going? As I said before, I think there'll be changes, but I think we'll beat them too Okay, and that tight game or potentially tight game we talked about against West Ham, how do you see that one going? Ah, I just think we're going to be motivated, Trevor. The, the, the ground is going to be full of energy. Half past five on a, on a, on a Saturday, uh, 3-1. Lovely stuff. And we have been uh, all around the houses. Uh, nice to be able to talk about a, a trophy. Uh, on Maldi on the Spot. Um, long may that tradition continue. Um, since we've started doing the show, it's been nothing but wins and it's been a pleasure for myself and Jan to talk about them. And hopefully it's been very enjoyable for you to listen, uh, uh, to Jan talk about them as well. We will be back uh, to talk with you about the next two Liverpool fixtures and reflect on to the ones we've just been discussing against West Ham uh, and Norwich. Uh, but until then, for another show full of the usual insight, thanks very much, Jan. Yeah, it was great, Trevor. I mean, it's always great on the back of winning the trophies. Now, by the time we speak next, uh, hopefully we'll be in the sixth round of the FA Cup. Uh, and whatever we think of Manchester United, next weekend, City are playing Manchester United. It's a local derby. Anything can happen. You might never know how close you might be in the league. That's it. That's it. It's exciting times, my friend. And uh, like I say, um, stick with us, listeners, um, because we're going to take you through it um, for all that we're worth. And hopefully it'll be a long run and a silverware laden run as well. We hope that. And we hope you stay with us for it. Um, thanks to Jan Malby as ever. Thanks to Guy Drinkle for producing. I've been Trev Downey. This is Malby on the spot. And we'll speak to you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
there's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.